Welcome back, everybody, to the Star Wars podcast. Today, we are recapping episodes one through three of Star Wars Visions in full spoiler detail. So if you have not seen those episodes, that's three episodes. Uh, don't. There's not episode one. It's one, two, and three. So if you haven't seen all three, I would get out of here. And uh, look, I'm here. I'm here with the hyper canon of podcasting. It's Tommy Pizzullo. Tommy, how are you? <laughs> hyper canon. Wow. That, uh, that is high praise. Uh, Michael, before we wanted to start, I actually got you a, a new microphone. I took your old lightsaber. You weren't really using it anymore. It was getting kind of dusty. And I, I've changed it. It's now a microphone for you. I hope you appreciate it. Yeah, that's going to be something interesting to track here. Is like, uh, like every episode has like a very unique lightsaber. I like the microphone lightsaber. So um, look, here, here's a guy. He's he's well acquainted with microphone lightsabers. It's a, it's a guest. We got a guest today. It's Greg Dunlap. Greg, how are you? Good, good. How are you? By the time this pot boils, this podcast is going to go crazy. That was uh, that was a cool moment in uh, in the episodes. Uh, Greg, you know we've ha- we've had you on here before, um, and w- we're glad to have you back. You're kind of like you're kind of like uh, you're just part of like our Star Wars team. You're like one of our Star Wars correspondents at this point. So we're really glad to have you here, Greg. I want to get like your off the cuff reactions of what you're thinking about the first three episodes of visions and like the concept as a whole. And yeah, if, if you like or dislike. Yeah. I think that as a concept, I think it's really amazing. I think that going in, I expected it to be a little more like what if, where it was recreating instances from the actual star Wars universe that we were already familiar with rather than sort of building up its own Canon. Um, but what I've seen so far is cool. I suspect that like a lot of anthology series, it'll be kind of like, I like some of them more than others. And even in this first three, that was certainly true. But I mean, I love to see him shake it up. I love to see him doing different things with the animation styles. You know, I love, I love all of that stuff. So I, I, I think the idea is super great. Greg, are you an anime guy in general? Not really. I mean, I really like, like the, um, um, I really like like the Studio Ghibli stuff and stuff like that. But beyond that, not I've never you know I've seen I saw Akira when I was in college, but that's about it. Yeah. So so ne- next week we will have an anime expert on the podcast. So just to let you guys know, we will have some of that representation coming up. <laughs> well, uh, Tommy, what, Tommy, I want to hear from you. Uh, what what are you thinking of Visions? And are you an anime guy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not as much as I want to say I'm like the expert of anime. I enjoy anime. There's there's definitely more I want to get into. It. There's so much of it, <laughs> to be honest, and like a lot of the, the ones you would uh, get into, like My Hero Academia or any One Punch. There's just so much. There's so many seasons. Uh, that being said, I know a little bit. I love Visions. <laughs> I can't say this enough. I've only watched the three episodes. I loved how each one is so different, you know, not just in the art style, but also the storytelling. It really feels like another show I know we like, which is Love, Death, Robots. It really feels like that kind of anthology. And I cannot state enough how excited I am that there's Star Wars stuff that isn't dealing with the Skywalkers and everything we already know about Star Wars. They took the universe in Visions and they said, just do whatever you want. And I love seeing what those animators, those anime developers uh, attach themselves to. And what's so fascinating is like in all aspects, like, yeah, there's like the Jedi fights, but it, for, for a lot of part of these episodes, especially too, it was like focusing on other aspects 
of the universe, you know, maybe more mundane stuff, but in an exciting way, uh, you know, three gets a little crazy and, and two was, or one was awesome with the, the duel, but yeah, I just like what they're focusing on for the most part when it comes to these episodes. Yeah. I really like, uh, that, that, that initial trailer, that came, it wasn't even a trailer, it was like a sneak peek and they were like interviewing a lot of the creators. And like, that was like something really touching to me. It was like a bunch of people that are in like, the the storytelling medium but they're also in a situation where they're huge star wars fans and they know like previously to this they're like well you know i kind of made it but it would be really cool if i could also do star wars like that's the that was their dream and now they're finally getting to act that out and you can see where like like for me like i grew up as a kid with star wars action figures and like i would create my own stories with that kind of stuff and like i feel like that's these guys they're, they they're, they're doing the grown-up version of that so yeah, yeah. i'm all about this man I, I love every second of it and when we compare it to the other anthology-ish type series that we're, we're recapping right now with what if it the big thing that comes down to the two of why i like this so much better is you can you look at it at the storytelling there is too many rules and regulations when it comes to marvel properties right now because mm -hmm. everything has to be um connected it you can tell just by watching visions that these developers were not told what to do to a degree like they were told have fun they pitched the ideas and it was fun but they didn't care if they invented new uh lightsaber technology invented new types of lightsaber no one was stopping them from doing that and that's awesome to see in this series are these considered canon? They're they're not considered canon, and I, I was, was I was suspecting that, but yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> but here's the thing, and I think this is like, um, you know, there, there's been other properties, and Greg, I know you're a big uh, fan of the original Clone Wars, as a, and myself. Um, that's an example of something that that wasn't canon to the Disney universe, um, or, or to the new Clone Wars series. But for instance. Uh, Asaz Vincius was a big favorite in that, and they brought her into the next Clone Wars series. So I could see a situation where um, maybe there is a fan favorite character out of these episodes, and I would hope to see that they could be incorporated as well. Yeah, I think if there's something they like or some either character or technology that they see in here that they want to uh, further develop, I think we'll see it. But uh, it's still cool. Like in that first episode, that umbrella thing, that was kind of cool, guys. <laughs> I, I was that well we'll get into that when we get into the episode i guess never mind <laughs> yeah so well why, why don't we do that here um because right. look, I, i'm i'm very excited to talk about the duel and like this is gonna be the one that i'm the highest on i i i, I will admit i've watched two episodes past this already and i still don't think they're they're all really good they're all really great but i don't think anything's ever gonna top the duel i love the duel greg give, give me your general thoughts on it i uh 100 agree i adored the duel from the first 15 seconds of it that i saw i was just like i loved black and white star wars i loved the vibe and feel of it i think the thing i loved the most though was that like the duel is pretty clearly inspired by uh, a movie by the japanese director akira kurosawa called the seven samurai and it's really great to me because 
the movies of Kurosawa were part of what inspired George Lucas to do Star Wars in the first place. Like, like R2-D2 and C-3PO are based on characters in this movie, The Hidden Fortress. And, and so to see like Kurosawa become Star Wars, become Kurosawa again, I thought that was like a really cool, like full circle thing happening. And, and it also felt to me much more than the other two, like it carried kind of the vibe of Star Wars more. Like it was serious, it was somber, it was, you know, it really felt like something that was Star Wars, but also uniquely its own self. So I thought I the, I agree. The duo was by far my favorite of these three. Yeah, I really like how I mean, they're 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 like feeding so many elements into this, like, like you mentioned, some of those like old school samurai movies. Um, and they really like it's, it's not even just like in the animation style, like you get like the the grimy film from it as well. Yeah, yeah. That the was, scratches and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was all about that. Like it just had the perfect feel to me. Um, and also the use of color and, and what they chose to typically it was either a lightsaber or some sort of technology, but I thought that that would, and it, and it made my favorite part of this episode was you kind of get the vibes. That, okay. That here comes our, our Jedi, our Jedi, like, uh, and I'm still not clear on who this guy is. And I think that's what makes it so much cooler. He's, he's kind of like that wandering mystery man. And, we assume that he's probably a Jedi. We see him use the force, but then he whips out that red blade. And, and the fact that they use color again, I mean, it would be hard to capture that without color, but uh, it was cool with color to explain it and just visually as well. Yeah. I was very high in this episode as well. Um, definitely liked the duel. Um, love the design of it. I love that we're finally getting samurai because like, Obviously, everyone knows, like, the Jedi are based on the samurai a little bit. Like, that's, you know, goes hand in hand just to see the redesign of, like, you know, a Jedi or Sith uh, being a samurai was really cool. I definitely didn't see it coming. Uh, I, I don't know how. I would love to hear from you, too. I didn't see him becoming a Sith when that happened. I thought that was really cool. Um, like, you already referenced the the pot, the whole, like, pot uh, boiling. That was cool. It was just, it, it, it was fun and fresh very simple scene. I mean, it, it was, it was just a duel, but it still added so much. And I, it gave me elements, a little bit of that uh, Mandalorian episode of season two, where you, the, the reintroduction of Ahsoka, where she's battling someone on and like on top of a, a building. And it gave that kind of dual type vibe that we were getting from Mandalorian as well. Yeah. At first, when we, when I started watching it, I thought that it was actually kind of a recreation of that exact thing. And obviously as we got more into it, it was clear that it wasn't, but um, yeah, I mean, and, and the, the fight scenes were intricate, but simple, like the ending fight scene where she's behind the waterfall and she goes to get him and he comes from behind her and stuff like that. It's like, it's like, it's all, it's all very simple, but it's also very, you know, intricate and well thought out and directed and you could follow the action and all of that kind of stuff. It was super, it was super cool. And very clever to have him be a Sith, but not introduce it later. Cause like you're rooting for him by the, by the middle of it. Like he's, he seems like a good guy up to the beginning. There's nothing other than the fact that he has a red lightsaber that makes you not like this guy. And so I thought that was really clever to give us rooting interest in this uh, small episode. Well, well, here's uh, here's my question because I'm not convinced that he is a Sith because here at the end we see that he opens his his jacket and he's like collecting red kyber crystals and clearly he was coming after this other Sith in this situation. So from my perspective, he seems more of like a Sith hunter 
and like I, I don't know how how that exactly works. Um, why wouldn't kind he... of like Grievous using the Jedi's lightsabers and like like that sort of thing? Exactly, and yeah, maybe he is. I feel like he probably should have a purple lightsaber if he was like using the dark side for good or however that all works. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I don't think that he's completely evil, right? Like, I, I don't I, see that in him. And I don't know if it really matters one way or the other uh, for the for the story of him, but I, I can see I can see that, Michael. I can see how it could, because, yeah, they showed the crystals. I saw it maybe as potentially, like, he may be Sith adjacent, right? But it could be a thing where maybe he's getting rid of the others because there can only be two. Maybe he's trying to get rid of the competition. That could be a thing too. I like kind of that it's open-ended in that way that we don't really know what he's trying to do. All we know is he took out the Sith, has a red lightsaber, is collecting crystals. And I like that we can kind of come to our own conclusions on what he's up to. Yeah. And honestly, the fact that we can't tell if he's good or bad is cooler in my opinion. Like, like that ambiguousness of it is um, it's not something we get a lot of in star Wars and I like it. Yeah. So uh, Greg, Greg, I want to ask you what, what did you think of the umbrella lightsaber? Like this was something from like uh, kind of preseason. A lot of the promotions were <laughs> like showing this, mm. this umbrella lightsaber. Are you pro umbrella lightsaber? I've always been a little mixed on um, the kind of like uh, lightsaber shield stuff, like when Grievous used to do his spinning lightsabers and stuff like that. Um, and because it's just like, it just doesn't seem to be in the spirit of what a lightsaber is supposed to be. And I mean, I guess if you're a Sith, you're supposed to be kind of a cheater. So I guess that makes sense anyways. But but I've never really liked that aspect of it, although it's always impressive how the Jedi seem to deal with it, even though it seems like it should be, you know, impervious or whatever. Um, but, you know, I was it was fine. You know, it was it was fine. I was wondering, though, like I, from a timeline aspect, this seems clearly to be post original trilogy. Um but probably pre Mandalorian in that era, or maybe in the same time frame as Mandalorian. Would you say so? Well, uh, I started. Uh, I, I originally thought that, but there is a shot in there, and one of the storm, like uh, uh, the Sith, comes with a brigade of like uh, ex stormtroopers, right? And one of the helmets looks like the First Order helmet, which makes me mm. think this is post Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because I was like, I was, you know, they say, oh, these are the remnants of the war or whatever, you know, and so, um, but I was also thinking of like, like, from a technological perspective, like if this was earlier, then does it make sense, you know, because one of the things that I have with that I've always bugs me about Star Wars is when we see pre- original trilogy movies that clearly have technology that are beyond what we see in the original trilogy. And so I was kind of trying to work that timeline out in my head. Yeah, no, Star Wars loves to uh, jump around <laughs> in time. Yeah, yeah. If they think of something new, they're like, well, it was here. <laughs> here it, it is. Just, yeah. <laughs> it was just in another region. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. And I think, so having watched two episodes past this, I, I think there's gotta be a point where you have to let go of what, 
Like, like not only is yeah, this not canon, obviously. but like it seems like uh, some of them could possibly just be changing whatever the Star Wars universe is, and in, yeah. in, in some ways, um, which is interesting and bothers me a little bit. But like, I, I can put this in a vacuum and, and live with it. And I think that's yeah. what I think it's different than Marvel that's trying to be in a vacuum, but then not be in a vacuum. This is different. I think it is like in a vacuum. But I agree with you. There's some things, specifically in Episode Two, that I'm like. You're you're being a little cute with things that like it could be changing the perception of certain characters that I don't love, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I think the umbrella thing. I thought it was clever. I thought it was fun and all that stuff. Um, the like it, it was fun to see them trying something else with the technology, but I also like I don't know. I feel like it'd be really heavy and and hard to use. I don't I don't know if it's really practical. Well, Tommy, let me ask you this, because at the end, um, uh, the, this lone warrior, he takes the umbrella attachment and gives it to one of the villagers as a gift. So would you would you would you accept a broken umbrella attachment as a gift? I mean, it's better than nothing, I guess. That was the one part of the episode. I was like, this is a little weird. Like, why I mean, I'm assuming you turned like, it into an umbrella. Yeah, I'm assuming there's enough metal or technology there that uh whoever they gave it to will be very wealthy when they're able to sell it. That's my, my imagination is like, we don't know how much the worth of that technology is, but it's going to be a pretty penny. It did seem clear to me that it won't work without an actual lightsaber attached to it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, um, a splitter or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's like if somebody like took the silencer off their weapon and like gave it to somebody who doesn't have another weapon. Right. <laughs> it's like uh, here's your yeah. gift. It's like, well, what what am I gonna do with this? My only thought is like to sell it, but I uh, agree with you guys. It kind of felt like he could have gave them. He could have maybe made them some tea. That probably would have been a better gift than. <laughs> yeah, just well, he the... gave the kid a kyber crystal, so. Yeah. yeah, that was a good. Yeah, gift. what's the better that's gift? That's a good gift. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good. That's a, well, it's a. It's also a red. Red Kyber's crystal. So I don't like. I don't know. Is he dooming this child? Mm, yeah. <laughs> See, that's why he. I feel like he leans Sith because like, I, even if you were if you were a Sith hunter, why are you making more Siths out there? Yeah, no, you raise good points. He could totally be like uh, the Sith are out of control. We must reduce our numbers back to the rule of two. Um, so uh, this little kid is is bad one now. This, you're my apprentice. Yeah, uh, minus one plus one, uh, <laughs> net equal, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, well, here's something I liked. I liked that uh, his little astromech. He had a straw hat. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that, Greg? I thought it was cute. I was trying to figure out what kind of a droid he was because at first I thought. He was he looked very much on the bottom like an almost exact replica of R2D2. So I was trying to see if they were trying to retcon R2 into yet another franchise. But um but he had also had the pointy head, like um, I forget what the the red R2 units with the pointy heads, uh, I forget what their actual designation is, but um R4. So I don't think it would R4s, yes, yes. And so um so he wasn't, but that was that was cute. He sure kicked some ass, much more than any other uh, astromech unit that I've ever seen before. They love droid. I think if they want to make you not feel like someone is inherently evil, they just give them a droid. To be honest, <laughs> I think that's what they do. Like, hey, you you want to have a bad guy who's not completely a bad guy? You know, um, I actually think uh, 
cat like an example is your favorite bounty hunter who like they give him a droid and it's like ah he's a bounty hunter and he's evil but he's got a fun droid so maybe i like him a little bit that's all you gotta do in star wars yeah so yeah astromech uh, droids especially are just inherently cute yeah yeah definitely uh and we also it's also just like uh yeah we it, it feels like an old friend especially knowing r2 yeah. so well so if i was an evil person i think i'd have a mouse droid that would be it'd be like kind of useful but like very like minuscule where they're just like running around like go clean the thing and they're like running off i would it's definitely like have like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i would have like a ig like ig88 um i can see you with that yeah, I, I feel like I need like somebody to, like pick up my slack. Like I, I was gonna say, help, yeah, help you with the babysitting. Just <laughs> yeah. like picks up the, the kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you guys have anything else on this episode? No, I think really I cleverly so. done. Like really well done. Uh, lots of attention to details in this episode. Like I, I, I probably will rewatch it a couple times because there's probably something I missed in the episode. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on to Tatooine Rhapsody. Um, I'll, I'll give my takes off the bat. Tommy, Tommy gave a little cringe there, so I'm a little worried. But listen, Tommy, like this is this is comparable. We just talked about What If last night, right? And there was a very lighthearted, goofy episode, and I hated it. I love this. I love the way they did it. I thought the characters were were charming. I thought I thought that it was fun. I thought it was like a unique concept, right? It wasn't just like uh, knocking off like a typical something you'd see in a sitcom, right? Um, yeah, it's a little it's a little out there, right? I, I, it's hard to imagine all this happening, but um, I had a lot of fun with it. Tommy, uh, what, what what say you? I had fun with it. It's definitely better than any what if. Like it's still great. <laughs> Um, and I actually thought about that too, like thinking about Party Thor, I was like, this is kind of the same vibe that they were going for. And I think they did it better here. My gripes with this episode, uh, first off, I got a little lost with like the flashbacks a little bit. Like it took me a second to get back and figure out like, oh, okay. Like they're just showing that like he was discovered by this person and that's why he cared. Like it was like, I got a little wonky there for me, uh, story-wise. And then the other part is, is the ending with like, I don't know. I, I've I've been around. I've seen Jabba quite a bit. I just don't see Jabba being like, you know what? Love the music. Keep him around. I don't know. It felt like a real sketch seeing him like jam along to the music. I love the music scene. I mean, that was a beautiful scene and like hearing the track and seeing like I was pumped up, but it just felt like they're retconning some of these characters where it felt goofy. It felt like they dumbed Jabba down just to get the joke. Even Bobo, you have Bobo like nodding his head. It's like, just to to have this story happen, I feel like they dumped some of the characters down. Well, well, I think the I think the Boba thing was more of a stretch. But listen, Jabba had concerts in his palace, right? He's he's a he's a music lover, so like, and he uh, killed all those people, even if they were great. That's true. That's true. Greg, Greg, what? <laughs> break this up here. What do you think of uh, Tatooine Rhapsody? I this was also my least favorite of the three. Um, it, you know, I talked about how the how Duel was. Uh, you know, kind of somber. It felt like Star Wars. This did not feel like Star Wars. Um, it was definitely fairly goofy. I thought that the um, the whole flashback stuff was a little half-baked. Like, like it would have been a little more interesting if it was more flashback and less goofy band, I think, to, to kind of tie 
um, the two characters together a little more. Um, it's interesting because in some ways this is the most Star Warsy of all of them, you know, because it's got characters and scenes we recognize, you know, Jabba the Hutt's in it, Boba Fett's in it. They uh, do their concert slash execution at that place where they did the pod races in episode one, um, you know, so um, that stuff felt very Star Warsy, but the vibe was just the opposite, you know, um, it was it was super goofy. Um, what else was I thinking about this? Oh, the other part of this is that so I've watched both the dubbed and subtitled versions of all of these episodes. And in this one in particular, during the concert scenes, the matching of the dubbing to the mouth movements was really bad and and that was like really distracting to me and it's like one of the reasons why i usually like subtitled stuff better and in some cases they do it really well i actually heard a um i heard a god this is really nerdy so when the first pokemon movie came out on dvd i listened to the audio commentary from the animators and they talked a lot about how they would have a certain number of like mouth flaps like their mouth would move four times and they would have to come up with script that stayed with the story, but also moved along with the characters' mouths. And in this case, it was more like they just had a script and they read it and it didn't matter. And it's like that little detail kind of like bugged me. I realized it's a very, very nerdy, dorky thing to be irritated by, but I was. Um, but I mean, the music was cool, definitely. I, I was Googling and the guy who wrote the music is like a, a J-pop star um, in a band over there. And, you know, so it wasn't terrible. Um, I agree with Tommy that it doesn't really vibe with, with, uh, Jabba the Hutt's, um, you know, demeanor, like the idea of Jabba the Hutt sitting there watching his, you know, prodigal son's band, uh, rocking out down there while flapping his tail in time with the music didn't really work for me. Definitely. That's fair. I, I, I hear, I hear that. Um, Greg, I want to ask you this, since we, you've listened to the the dubbed and sub, which performance was better out of the two? The uh, music, I mean, the music was the same in both okay. of them. So, okay. um, and I'd say that the, I'd say that the, um, this, the original version, the voice and like characteristics was a little more in vibe with the, with the animation and stuff like that. But the dub versions, it was, it was fine, you know. It was it was it was funny hearing the the lyrics as opposed to because I watched all the subtitled ones first. And so, like, I didn't know what the lyrics to the songs really were. Um, and I think they were a little different, actually, because I did have subtitles. But in the dubbed version, they said something about parsecs away. And I don't remember that. I might have to go back and check that again now. But, um, yeah, I, I'd say the vocalist in the subtitled version was better. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, see, uh, typically... And I, like, I, admittedly, I'm not a huge anime fan, but when I have watched it, I, 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 I insist upon the subtitles, right? Like, I, uh, or, or f for that instance, I would never watch like a subbed foreign film, you know, like, or a dubbed foreign film. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm definitely team uh, uh, subtitles here, but I, I felt like I, I saw the voice cast for this, right? And, and we get, we get uh, Boba Fett reprising his role here as well, which I thought the performance was really good huh. from him. And uh, so I, I was kind of curious, like, what is like the original basis for this show? Right? Like, what, what was like the original intention in the animation? Which language were they really pulling for? I assumed it was going to be English because they had those actors, but maybe I was wrong there. Yeah, I don't know. I actually haven't looked up the voice cast, so I didn't actually realize that there were 
I guess I didn't think about the fact that there were actual, you know, well-known people doing the voice cast for the English side. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, any opinion there, Tommy? Uh, dubbing is a wild, wild process. And like, I, I've known a little bit about like what Greg was saying with like Pokemon of like, yeah, they had to like change the story, but still keep it uh, well enough to fit with the, the, the flaps but still tell a cohesive story. So it's a very challenging thing. And that's interesting. They kind of just didn't hear. Um, <laughs> I did want to say as, as down as I was about the episode, I do see it being a full series. And maybe that's the thing is like, I could actually see a longer, I think I feel like they rushed a lot here. And I actually could have seen this as longer, like almost like a Rebels series where you have a, a character like an Ezra, like who was a Jedi, Jedi but like uh, has to run away now that the Jedi have fallen. And instead of joining the rebellion, instead they're just trying to make it in the world and, and gives up his, his Jedi past and just becomes a band, you know, a part of a band. I do think that's compelling. That's a really interesting story that I would like to see almost more of. And I think here it was rushed at times. I think I'd like to see it if it was a little, if the goofiness was toned down just a tad, yes. you know, but um, I mean, that's interesting and make a great kids show, you know, because I know that like they talk about like rebels and clone wars being, um, kind of kids shows, but they're also very serious and in some cases very violent. And this seems like it would be much more like a actual kids show, you know? Yeah. Well, again, I mentioned like Jabba's palace has music. Um, we get it in cantina scenes. Like music is like, like the performance of music, uh, maybe not front and center, but it's, it's well throughout the original trilogy. Um, so I, like I am interested in that concept more so. It's a little weird that they like bust out like electric guitars, right? Like I did appreciate well, I did appreciate like it was kind of like more of a mashup, right? As far as like um here's the Star Wars universe, but here's more of like an original punk rock sound that you would hear in the actual world. So I actually did kind of like that clash. I think that one other thing I would say is that um the the animation style in this was probably the most traditional in terms of like other anime uh, stuff that I've seen. And that kind of took it down a little for me, especially after how so interestingly stylized the duel was. And so that was like another thing that was like, it was cool and it was fine, but I would have liked to see a little more personality in it, I think. See, I, I like the style, but maybe it is because I think it was a little more anime, like especially yeah. for me. There's there's specific animes I can think of where I'm like, oh, this looks just like like that. Um, so I totally understand that. Do you guys have anything else on Tattooing Rhapsody? I I don't. I, I did like I I I seem to have liked it a bit more than you guys. I just thought it was cute. Like it was just cute. Did like, you like uh, the lightsaber microphone? Well, that I, I don't particularly like it, but um. I like that they're like doing things with the lightsabers and that's something we're going to see throughout the series. So, yeah, I don't get how the technology works behind it. I think that's my only thing, but I like that Like it broke and he still found a use for it. Right. Like it's like, he still found something he can do with his lightsaber. Yeah. We is, this is actually the only one where we never see a lightsaber fire off. I think, isn't that correct? Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So um, there you have it. Uh, let's move on. This is going to be, Maybe I think this might be a bit more of a controversial one. We'll see. I haven't, I haven't gotten your takes yet. I'm actually this like if I had to rank the episodes, I would go one, two, three. Um, and I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more later. But I want to get you, Greg, what did you think about the twins? 
I think this one I was most mixed on of them because like I didn't really like two. I loved one. And this one, there are like aspects of it I liked and aspects of it I didn't like. I really liked the animation style I thought was super rad. I thought it was really cool. Um, it was like really heavily stylized and abstracted. And so I thought that was um, super cool. But I just, for some reason, I just like the story didn't grab me. And I kept finding myself like watching it and noticing things that I wouldn't have noticed if I was really deeply into the story. Like at one point, there's a scene where um, they're walking across this long, like this long, like walkway. And there's like, you know, towering, uh, you know, a hundred stories of emptiness underneath them. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, how come on these walkways, they never have railings. It's like, what is it about the star Wars universe? that has all these walkways out railings. And I'm like, why am I thinking about that? And it's because I wasn't really like brought into it. I wasn't really tied into, you know, for whatever reason, that story didn't really grab me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, and then like the whole, like, oh, here's two star destroyers stuck together thing was a little like, you know, whatever, you know, oh, we're going to destroy a planet. Yeah. We've done that before, you know, like, like there, it was, it was cool, but it wasn't, it, it didn't grab me as much as the duel. Yeah. I think for me, I still would rank it higher than two for me. Uh, but I think what you said there, Greg, it, it felt like we were thrown into a story that was already being told. Does that make sense? More so than the duel, which has a similar kind of setup where it's like, two warring parties like it's very similar to duel but the duel at least felt like we could jump in there there was less stakes here this feels like there was a lot of backstory that they had to throw at us a lot of exposition to get us there um i did like the concept of in my mind you're right like we have blown up uh plans before i saw this as pre-death star like i saw this was their mm. like this was a bunch of different tries that they threw out there while death star was still being developed and it's like okay this is one of the the ideas is what if we just had two uh spaceships it was a dumb idea and i think that's why we'd never see it ever again <laughs> but i kind of like that idea of like oh the empire was like trying a bunch of they were throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and like the fact that they even the empire is that sick that they would literally genetically you know create these two evil twins to just as a test just as a for this prototype ship it made the empire that much more evil in my eyes i really i actually really like that idea i hadn't thought about that of like you know the the the, the empire's failed experiments at trying to blow up a planet and i i think that idea is actually really cool yeah you know i i think what i do appreciate this like if if, if there's any like um if we could compare this to what if at all right um i feel like this episode is kind of like uh and it's not directly that but it's kind of like what if Luke and Leia were given to the Empire, right? Like this is mm. this is kind of how it would go, and uh, I d I did appreciate all that. Um, I I would compare this more so like if I had to like um, pinpoint uh, like a movie to compare this to, it'd probably be The Last Jedi, right? Because I think it has some really high highs and some really low lows. Um, I think that there's like they just try some bonkers stuff in this, like the the final like fight where like. He turns his X-wing upside down. He's standing on it. Um, yeah, which, standing way, on it when they go into hyperspace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, like first and foremost, there's a lot of gravity issues in like uh, Star Wars in general. Um, like you see them like dropping bombs, which I don't know if things can like drop like that in space. Mm. Um, uh, but like the fact that like not only are they standing on it, they're breathing 
they're breathing in space, which I guess they're trying to say, like, maybe that's the Leia thing. Like, Jedis can breathe in space now. Um, but not only Wait, that... Leia like, can breathe in space? Well, she survived being uh, launched. She she built, like, a force bubble around herself in The Last Jedi when she... Oh, right, right. Yeah. So, um, th there's that. And then, yeah, you, you get him going, uh, and, like, he extends his lightsaber to cut a Star Destroyer in half. Like, there, like it was stuff like this. I was like, this doesn't like none of this works. Like, and like I get where like like I love I am a I will defend the last Jedi. Like I said, like it, it's high highs and high uh, uh, big lows there. But um, like I will always defend it because I like the highs. Um, but I can see like this is kind of like I can see where people the haters of the last Jedi are coming from, right? Like there were really dramatic and things that are just completely not Star Wars in that movie. And I feel like that's the case here. Like visually, like for instance, I, w I was watching it the second time. My aunt came over today. She came in the door. She saw like one quick shot of like just a character. She goes, oh, you're watching Star Wars. And she doesn't like she's not a Star Wars fan. But like so it is very Star Wars in that way. But in other ways, it's very not. So And maybe it's be for me. I'm just not as protective about Star Wars. I enjoy Star Wars. There's, I definitely have opinions on Star Wars. But uh, I don't mind that, like, they've said this is not canon. So it's, for me, do whatever you want with the Star Wars logic. But it doesn't matter. It's not like they're doing this and now this is canon. This is now. Like, I've seen things in Mandalorian and other franchises that are canon that I haven't loved the drastic changes to the Star Wars lore. And for me, it's this is I'd rather have them throw out their... Um, ideas that are a little more obscure in this format where it doesn't really matter than like trying to throw this into a show that's going to now uh change the star wars universe for forever yeah it's funny because like the stuff like like the giant you know his giant 800 mile long lightsaber that cuts a star destroyer in half didn't bother me nearly as much as how the hell are they breathing in space that really bugged me. I was like, come on, they don't even have their armor suit. He didn't even have his armor suit on. Like, we can't even use that excuse, you know? I mean, it's it's kind of a cool stylistic choice because they got to have this gigantic battle out in open space, and that expands the scope and scale of it, which is kind of cool. But again, if the story and stuff had been, had been drawing me in more, I wouldn't have been thinking about the fact that they can't breathe in space, so... Well, here's uh, here's another gripe of mine. I thought a lot of the like dialogue was like very on like I was just rolling my eyes at points. Uh, he said, uh, uh, she asked him, "Where where do you plan on taking that?" And he says, "To a galaxy far, far away." I was like, mm -hmm. "Oh my god, really?" And then another one comes up later. Um, I I guess uh, his droid like he kind of translates the droid, and the droid said, uh, "There is no try. There's only do," which is a Yoda thing. And I'm like, why does the droid? What does the droid know about the Force? You know, I, I was wondering you, if that was. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think a little bit of that was like this guy might the developers maybe they're just like big Star Wars fans, and so they wanted to throw that in there. I agree. Like, I'm not gonna defend it because I agree that the dialogue was very choppy at times, and like, I think for me the parts I liked of this episode was the the, the crazy aspects of it. But I can also see where I'm like, I had I had to completely take apart my mind and be like, this is just for fun. Like this means nothing. 
Then there was another thing, like, like, have we ever seen lightsabers curve before? Because, you know, the woman had, like, this gigantic, like, Doc Ock art lightsaber thing going on with her arms, and they were, like, curving like she was throwing ropes or something like that. And, and that, was, that was super weird, too. I mean, I know. I know. I shouldn't be, like, like mm. thinking about this stuff. But Is that the effects of space, though? Have we ever seen a lightsaber in space before? I'm sure we in have space. in the Clone Wars. I feel like totally like there's yeah. a scene with Anakin putting on a helmet and oh right, right, and they're like going out and doing lightsabers in in no atmosphere or whatever. Yeah, but uh, Tommy, what do you think about the lightsaber whips? I guess I guess that's the best way to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're a choice again. Like, it gives them probably more uh, more abilities if you can just like what you could trip think about all the trips you could do with these lightsaber whips now they're not prone oh you win every battle i would i would like a lightsaber whip yeah i mean you know she was able to wrap them around things because they were wrapped around the other guy's lightsaber so it's like if you could take but then again, how does how would a lightsaber wrap around something? Wouldn't it just cut it in half? Like how would it actually like how would that actually work? Like it's like you wrap it around a tree and pull, and you just pull it through the tree. Oh, uh, we can't look too much at it because I, I agree uh, with you. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> the lot the the physics behind the Star Wars logic on this episode. I I believe the developers are just like I want to do a bunch of fun, cool things and not think too hard yeah. about it. <laughs> So I, one one element I did really like in this, when it comes to lightsabers, is the guy the guy's lightsaber at one point uh, starts to change from red to blue, and he has like it kind of mm. looks like uh, it kind of looks like one of those like uh, firework popsicles. It's like it's like blue and then white and then red, and I thought that was really cool because that has been explored a little bit in the Star Wars universe of like um, your intentions can kind of like depict. Mm. It's more so like the kyber crystal calls to you, like the color of the kyber crystal will call to the person that it belongs to. But um, there's, it's also been explored that that like um, uh, the color can matter too. So I thought it was cool, like throughout the episode, how his episode, his lightsaber was changing. Yeah. There's one other thing I want to get back to. I forgot when we were talking about the dialogue. I know I said this in the first uh, podcast we did together, but I would be perfectly happy if nobody in Star Wars lore ever again says, I've got a bad feeling about this. It's like, I'm so over it. It's just like so done and and just like, oh, you got to say this line and everybody's going to scream because of Han Solo. It's just like, I'm I'm really I'm really over it. That's a reason, another reason I like The Last Jedi is because I had a droid say it. We didn't actually hear the words. Which is also why I think I've liked, like like I said, one of the things I liked about the Vision series so far is like we really haven't seen any Skywalkers. We haven't seen any any big-time Star Wars things. And I'm with you. Like We don't need that line. That's a, that's a Skywalker saga line. We don't need... I, I for one, love Easter eggs. Love... Uh, callbacks, love nostalgic things, but you do it so much and no one asked for it. Yeah. Star Wars, you, it's like Star Wars, you created this inside joke that only you are participating in and expecting everyone else to think it's funny. It's cool. Do it, do it every once in a while, but not every single time. That was actually my big um, problem with Rogue One. The first time I saw it is that it's so steeped in like Star Wars 
callbacks and you know feel good nostalgia that that i i felt like there was no movie left like that's all that there was and and you know i love to see star wars exist without those things you know which is uh which is kind of my issue with this is like i feel like uh again they're kind of retreading a lot of things like um Mm -hmm. like putting two star destroyers next to each other like that's like just like i it kind of feels like a lazy idea to me. Recycling some of these iconic lines feels a little lazy to me. Um, I, I like again, like the fight was like visually cool, but and I guess that that is the most creative part of the episode. But yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I like the duel better. Let's put it that way. Yeah, maybe yeah, I for, sure. for me, maybe I'm just giving too much credit on the fact that I thought this was like a Death Star prototype. Like I, to me, that like carried it for me of like, oh, this is because I agree, it's dumb that there's two ships, and this was their final idea, hundred percent dumb idea. But it is cool if you think of it as like, oh, this was before we had a Death Star. This is where they were getting that they were testing just the crystal and if it can actually have that kind of power like and maybe i just was so focused on that that i was ignoring all the uh <laughs> the other things in the episode yeah so um what do you guys think of the dark armor like that i uh, like that was a uh, i guess that was kind of cool right i mean Darth Vader should be the only one with the armor. like there's a specific reason why he needs it it's because he's very injured all the time to me it's like in a weird way like i get it but i also think like that'd be like if someone needed something in real life like let's say someone needed some sort of armor because they had injuries to their arm right and they this armor like helps you know helps Tommy, them walk. Tommy, Tommy, that's called a cast yeah so then if i went around wearing a cast around like oh look at me i also have a cast but clearly don't need it wouldn't that be frowned upon wouldn't that be questioned <laughs> And so they're wearing the armor that Darth Vader needs to live and being like, we're cool. <laughs> Look at us. That's true. It's like, uh, it's like the homeless people that like get in a wheelchair to like uh, pretend <laughs> that they're essentially it's like, yeah, like they're trying to make like the things that help someone to move. Cool. <laughs> Greg, what say you about all that? I, uh, you know, I actually didn't really think about the dark armor once. Actually, you know, the the show is so this one is so stylized that in the first couple of seconds, I actually thought it was Darth Vader walking down the walking down the, you know, with the cape and the black helmet and everything, you know. Um, But it's like from a timeline perspective, like if this is pre Death Star and pre Darth Vader, then does that mean that these are also prototype armor for like what eventually became Darth Vader? Like I don't know. I I know I'm thinking about it too much again, but no, that that is a good thought. Um, guys, uh, I'm kind of out of stuff to say about this episode. Uh, like I, I I appreciate the swings, right? Uh, it tries the big stuff, and like I think that's what's so great about again we talk about love, death, and robots. Like they can. They can try so many different things, right? They can do like the subtle, like uh, goofy episodes, and then they could do like the more like extreme, like big grand ideas. And uh, look, I appreciate both ends of the spectrum, and I'm glad they're doing both. So, um, yeah. Anything else, guys? I'm excited to continue watching the series. You know, for the most part, like I said, I've enjoyed all of this. Even the stuff I think we critiqued, I think is still higher than some of the stuff I've watched recently. So uh, I'm excited to see what 
else is out there. If this is only their first three and it's some high quality stuff, I cannot imagine what else is out there for us. So. Yeah, I agree. Michael, you've, you've said you've watched ahead in a spoiler free way. You want to give us a little uh, sneak peek at what's to come? Well, I'll say it this way. So next week, we are planning on having Luke McGee on, who's a who's a personal friend of mine. I've known him since high school. He's a big anime guy. He's a big Star Wars guy. So it's kind of like the he's like uh, this is like his passion right here. So what he told me was, um, Episode Five was his absolute favorite, and he did not want me to go any further without watching it because he was afraid I would get spoiled. And mm. uh, I will say it's the closest thing to the duel that we've gotten thus far. Um, there's there, like uh, the best, the, the, there's still really good stuff out there, right? Like I think we started off strong, but there's going to be some really good stuff coming. Um, and even episode four, uh, that's, uh, again, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting. I, I don't want to say too much, okay. but yeah, you have a lot to look forward to. So, um, cool. All right, guys. Well, that that was a lot of fun. Um, Greg, I know you mentioned uh, off air here that you had a recommendation for us. Do you want to do you want to give us that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, as you know, I've been engaged in a full canon Star Wars rewatch, and, and so I had gotten to the point where I needed to rewatch the original trilogy, and I was kind of thinking like which version of the original Star Wars do I want to watch? Like I had obviously seen it when it came out and then I've seen the various special editions over the years. And then a few years ago, I watched the Harmy Despecialized Edition, which is like this dude came, went out and found bits of Star Wars media from across the world, like be they original laser discs and other forms of Star Wars in order to put them together to recreate the additional the original edition of Star Wars without all of George Lucas's editions and also bring them up to modern standards. So he like sharpened the focus, he recolorized them and all of this kind of stuff. And that was cool. But and I was thinking about watching that again. But what I discovered is that since then, somebody has done another version, which is called the Silver Screen Edition. And what the Silver Screen Edition is, is somebody found a fairly mint 35 millimeter print of the original Star Wars. It was a dubbed Mexican version. And so somebody in Mexico had these film cans with Star Wars sitting around in them. And he took them and he digitally scanned them and he cleaned up the dust marks and that's it. Otherwise it is 100% original Star Wars like you saw it in the 70s. And I watched that thing and oh my God, my nostalgia meter of 12 year old Greg sitting in that theater watching the original Star Wars was like off the freaking charts. It was so rad. Like I thought it was super cool. I don't know if it's for everybody, like not everybody's obviously going to have that same experience that I did and that same feeling, but uh, it's really, really worth, uh, I think, checking out. Um, and you can get it like on, they, they make it available via BitTorrent. So if that's your thing, you can go out and get, and you can get it that way. Um, it's really cool. I really dug it. But yeah, that was my question. Um, how, how do people go about wa like uh, watching the despecialized versions? Do you, uh, it's I guess the, the same way. 
Yeah, same way. You can get it on BitTorrent. They're very, very large files. Like I think the highest quality version of the despecialized edition movies is like 25 gigs or something like that. Um, so they're really huge. The version of the uh, silver screen edition I got was like five gigs, I think. The other thing is that um, the despecialized editions, they've done all three of the original movies. So you can get Empire and Return of the Jedi as well. Whereas the silver screen edition, you can only get the original Star Wars. He hasn't found source material for the other two yet. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that to us. Um, Tommy, sure. I'm going to toss it over to you. I, I think we have a joint recommendation here, but I'll, I'll let you I'll let you lead us here. I'll lead it and I'll let you be the caboose. Uh, yeah, I do believe we have a, a, a joint recommendation. There's a show that started up. Uh, all three of us watch. Uh, and it's Survivor. Survivor is back on our screens. I, for one, was pleasantly surprised with how good the premiere was of this new season. Uh, very into what they have shown. Like, I think the editing is really good. Uh, this season, I think there's not too much going on. Because I think sometimes they can get advantage heavy and all that stuff. It seems not as much as, as in the past. So, uh, and, and I love the cast. I think the cast is really fun so far. Cannot recommend this enough. On Wednesdays, you should be watching Survivor. Yeah, let me... So, I, I want to, like... I want to speak to the people that don't watch because I know we do have a handful of people that watch Survivor, but it's like um, I, I would like to take the opportunity to like convert people, right? Because I think a lot of people might have like the misconception of what Survivor is, right? It's probably you're probably thinking like if you don't know what if you've never watched Survivor, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking like Bear Grylls, like it's like a survival show. You're out in the wilderness, and it is a little bit of that. But way more importantly, and, and I think we can compare it to Star Wars in this way, right? There's heroes, and there's villains, and there's grand storylines. And, and it is a reality show, but they put it together as if it's like this long epic of like people outsmarting each other. So it's like a social strategy game unlike anything else. I, I think so – like – like if you see like a, a reality show that that is like about voting people off, it's it's they are trying to copy Survivor. They are like the OGs in this. So even if you're not gonna watch like the newest season, which I understand, what I would recommend is that you go watch the uh, Survivor Kagiyan. It's on Netflix, so like it's not like it's out of reach or anything, right? Uh, you don't have to go like download uh, Paramount Plus. It's on Netflix, Survivor Kagiyan. Just check it out. Trust me. You're going to love the show. And like, uh, like I don't think that uh, the three of us would know each other if it weren't for Survivor. Let's put it that way. Um, so that's how much we love it. And uh, it's very special in our lives. And if you give it a chance, I promise it will become special in your life. So, um, Greg, I, I want to hear what you have to say about all that. I mean, I, I liked the premiere, too. I think the it's a little it's a little more. There's something about the editing that I'm having a trouble. It's it's a little different than it used to be. Like I noticed, especially in Tribal Council, it was very, very, very fast paced, much more than usual. And so and it's not quite as somber of a show or serious as a show as it used to be. But I think that's not necessarily bad either. You know, I think it's just going to take a little getting used to. Um, but I really like the premiere. I agree. The cast is absolutely amazing. I think that some of the things that they're doing you know, twist and advantage wives is really interesting this season too. And I completely agree with uh, Michael's with Michael's suggestion of Kagayan as an entry point. If anybody wants to, I have now 
five friends who have been intrigued when I've told them about my fascination with Survivor. And I've told them all, look, here's this season, go check it out. And I always tell them Kageon and every single one of them after that has gone on to do a full series rewatch because they've been so into it from watching it. And uh, you can do that now because Paramount Plus has all of the seasons and it's great. I, I, I really love it. Yeah, so uh, a little a little bit off the beat. Like, we don't always recommend reality stuff unless it is, like, specifically good. So um, we, we, we all love uh, this show. So um, if you check it out, which you don't have to. I'm not going to force you. You know, you can still listen to the podcast if you don't watch Survivor. But if you do, let us know what you think, you know. Um, and with that being said, Greg, I, uh, uh, I want to give you a chance. That, first and foremost, thank you so much for doing this again. It's always a pleasure to have you. I feel thanks like for having me. Great, it was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of the great, like uh, star Wars commentators that we know. So I want to give you the chance I don't the know about that, to but... plug uh, whatever you got going on. Um, what do I have going on? I have a somewhat on hiatus podcast called this must be a place, which is about community management, but uh, there are 14 episodes out there. You can find at this must be the place podcast.com interviews with people who run or are involved with uh, community management. Um, otherwise you can find me on Twitter. If you want to see all of my reality TV, big brother survivor challenge related rate rantings, uh, my Twitter is uh, Jason's underscore stick. And if you want to see my normal everyday technology, professional life uh, stuff, you can follow me at Greg D Dunlap. Awesome. Greg, thank you so much. Um, and I, I'm going to close this out here, but not without a couple of thank yous. A big thank you to Aaron Robertson, who did our music to, to kick us off here, and Ethan Kellum, who did our logo. I'd also like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes. I said this on our last show, but look, it's it's the start of a new show. A lot of people are getting into Visions, and they're like, ooh, I want a podcast to like accompany it. So they're going to Google, or they're going to search in their Apple Podcast app. They're going to say, ooh, wh uh, who's talking about Star Wars Visions? And if we have enough ratings, and if we have enough subscribers – uh, that's the people who finds us. So again, I said, it's not all about our ego. It literally helps the podcast. So if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes. It's about um, my ego a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, uh, yeah, two I things know. can be true. Two things yeah, can be true. Yeah. I don't want to lie to them. Like I, my ego does go and look at the comments almost every single day to try to get a boost of confidence. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and we haven't gotten one in a while. So uh, yeah, I'm up. very unconfident right now. Audience. No, we've been sitting at 49 reviews for like uh, maybe a couple months. So Yeah, get us to 50. Come on. It literally takes one person. So, uh, Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at StarkWarsPod. And we also have a little Discord community. Um, so if you're interested in that, um, again, uh, follow that Instagram and Twitter, and you can message us, and we'll give it to you. So, um, But I think that's all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. I didn't know Tommy had such a lovely voice.